Now, we have a few different passages uh, to look at uh, together. Uh, a couple from uh, John's Gospel. Spent a lot of time in John's Gospel recently. Uh, and then we'll be uh, back in Matthew. Uh, so here in John chapter 3 uh, and at verse 16, uh, we read, we're going to read down to verse 21. We read there, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And then John chapter 15. And beginning at verse 18 down to verse 25, where Jesus says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen... And yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfil what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. And now our uh, beatitude, which is in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and from verse 10 to verse 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want to begin with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said this, suffering is the badge of true discipleship. Now Bonhoeffer, as you may know, was someone who was imprisoned and tortured and ultimately killed uh, for opposing Hitler and the Nazi regime uh, during the Second World War. That regime that rejected Jesus and rejected the values of Jesus saw Bonhoeffer and those like him in the Confessing Church as voices to be silenced. They were standing on the side of Jesus 
uh, so they needed to be got rid of. Uh, I came across a statistic uh, this week, a very sobering one, um, that uh, between the years 2000 and 2010, it is estimated that there were one million Christian martyrs, one million people killed because of their faith. And today uh, you can read of stories of a religious persecution in different parts of the world where even the, the COVID pandemic is being used as a, as a weapon uh, to deny poor suffering Christians uh, from getting aid and relief as they have already been denied work or land or freedom. Um, so especially if you're a part of a clue, our next missions night in, in December will focus attention on work uh, for the persecuted church. Um, so that'll be a Wednesday night at the beginning of December. And we're going to pray for the persecuted church uh, shortly. Um, think how challenging the idea of persecution is uh, for our day and for where we are. We live in a culture of comfort that's very risk averse. We like our comfort and security. And we live in a time where any kind of inconvenience is unwelcome, even at the most moderate level where, you know, we lose internet connection and it's, oh, it's a disaster. So you think about persecution and our, our gut instinct, most likely is to think of how to avoid it. So this final beatitude continues to challenge us uh, just as the others have. Um, so we're going to think about three things together uh, that Jesus teaches us here about persecution. First of all, the reality of persecution. This is very much a when, not an if. Um, it's interesting to notice, maybe you noticed it as we were reading, the change of vocabulary. So so the main body of the, the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are those, blessed are those. But in verse 11, blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things about you. So here's an emphasis deliberately from Jesus to the disciples right in front of him. You will face persecution. They are being told loyalty to Jesus brings rejection, not recognition and acclaim. To pursue righteousness, to aim for integrity. To be concerned for justice, eh, to live looking to practice mercy, eh, to live out God's standards while we would expect to be uh, applauded perhaps as, as model citizens will actually, Jesus says, put you in the firing lane. Because we find ourselves in the heat as Christians of spiritual battle. And, and our lives of righteousness, when they are lived before the world, challenges the moral indifference that we see around us, challenges the conscience of people. And that is not something that is popular. And that's the consistent teaching of Jesus. That's why we read those passages in John's Gospel. So we read uh, in John chapter 3, uh, we read that sort of the, the famous gospel verse about uh, God's uh, love uh, for the world that those who would believe 
would have eternal life. But Jesus goes on to say that though he is light and though he has come to give love and, and to bring life, people prefer darkness. They actually hate the light. They hate Jesus. They don't want to feel exposed. And Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, will say to the church, you are the light of the world. And so a similar thing happens with Jesus as with his followers. And then in John 15, uh, we read there, and that's just after that that wonderful section where Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, and that, and that call to abide in him and to bear fruit. And then he goes on immediately to talk about, well, the world hated me, so don't be surprised when they hate you. He says to his followers, you've been chosen out of the world by God's grace, saved by grace, so you no longer belong to the world, so the, the world uh, rejects you. And so Jesus teaches the disciples and teaches us that if we want to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, if we want to represent his righteousness, um, some will be drawn to the light. Like if you're out in the dark and you switch on a light and you'll see insects being drawn to the light. But others will want to extinguish the light so they can continue uh, to, to live in the darkness of their sin uh, without having that guilt being exposed. The consistent message of the Bible is that spiritual warfare is real and there are no neutral countries and there is no middle ground that we can find and we can trace that conflict right through uh, the Bible and indeed through church history. There is Adam made in the image of God, uh, living in God's perfect world uh, with Eve and the enemy comes, Satan, who wants to destroy and divide and lead them into sin. Uh, we see uh, the conflict between uh, spiritual good and spiritual evil there with, with Moses and Pharaoh who wants to resist God and resist God's plan. We see it with Israel and the nations. Israel is called to be a light to the nations, but the nations want to extinguish and eliminate the people of God and the purposes of God. And sadly, too, Israel too often failed to be that light. We see it with King David, uh, who has to face the opposition of the giant Goliath who would defy God and the armies of God. We see it when Jesus uh, arrives in the world and King Herod wants to kill him as an infant and we see uh, the powers of his day uh, colluding together uh, to have Jesus crucified just as God's saving plan had ordained. And then we see in the book of Acts and through the rest of the New Testament that the church uh, is attacked and persecuted uh, by the religious authorities and by uh, the powers of Rome uh, and so we see that story continue. So it's important that as Christians we recognise that we must on the one hand pursue righteousness and we must expect that to be costly. Um, in our workplace uh, to uh, pursue honesty and integrity, uh, to avoid uh, the gossip or the backbiting, in your classroom uh, to maintain uh, the moral values 
uh, that the Bible lays out, uh, to live in our society wanting to be guided by biblical truth is going to mean people will take pot shots at us. Ah, that's a hard thing. Jonathan Dodson in his book, Our Good Crisis, it says the only way we're going to do this uh, is when we decide to bank everything on the truth that Jesus loves us and that belonging to him and his kingdom is worth it. Let's think now for a few moments about the nature of persecution because it's important for us to recognise in these verses uh, that there is a kind of persecution that is blessed um, and there are different forms that persecution takes. So first of all, let's think about this. What persecution is and is not blessed? Uh, Jesus is not saying uh, every time uh, we suffer that we are blessed. When we are persecuted because of our unrighteousness, um, if we do wrong and we face consequences, if we sin and we face consequences, is that persecution? No, that's punishment. And that's a different thing. So we're not blessed if we're persecuted because of our unrighteousness. And we're not blessed if we're persecuted due to our self-righteousness. So we know what that looks like when we're judgmental towards others, when we are offensive towards others. Yes, there is the offence of the gospel, but we don't want to be personally offensive and vindictive to others. We don't want to be proud uh, in the way that we talk to and about others. It's why in the letter of First Peter, so much is about character and speech. As we live as exiles, as we as Christians are foreigners, then it's important that we show honour to people. It's important that we give people proper respect, and that we speak about our truth with gentleness. We look to persuade people with our uh, humility and kindness. So we're not blessed if we're persecuted because we're self-righteous. What persecution is blessed, though, is when we're persecuted because of righteousness. In other words, when we are loyal to Jesus, when we are loyal to the values of Jesus, and when we look to live those out with the character of Jesus, then we are blessed, even as we are persecuted. Uh, Jesus, just a few verses later in, in chapter 5 and verse 16, will say, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are to shine a light in the darkness. To be persecuted means to be mocked or despised, to be alienated or snubbed, to be humiliated for trying to live that way, for trying to live as a follower of Jesus. Uh, we are familiar with the concept of being guilty by uh, association. I, I still remember as a, a naive uh, first year student uh, wearing uh, a certain uh, set of football colours <laughs> in the wrong part of Glasgow. And because of uh, an association with a particular football club uh, receiving 
uh, the, the shouts and the insults that go with that. People reject Jesus. People reject his gospel. So they will reject and persecute those who are loyal to Jesus and the gospel. We are persecuted by our association with the Lord Jesus. So when we suffer, we want to suffer because we are doing God's will. That's the suffering that's commended when we are doing good for the sake of Jesus. What forms can persecution take? Um, verse 11 um, is helpful in this. It says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So we have drawn and we will later draw attention to the physical persecution that's mentioned there. Uh, because we are aware today that we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are being attacked and being imprisoned and being denied basic rights and being martyred today. Now that's not our experience. Most of us will not experience physical persecution. Um, but Jesus does refer to emotional persecution. And maybe that's something we identify with where we are demeaned because of our faith, where, where we're cut out of um, conversations, miss out on opportunities, where we are shamed because we're Christians. And there is also verbal persecution, perhaps a whispering campaign, perhaps it's slander or outright lies because we want to follow Jesus. Persecution can be obvious or it can be subtle. It can be public or it can be private. But as a church, as Christians, we need our eyes wide open. Jesus teaches it's inevitable. We follow, after all, a persecuted, cross-carrying saviour. So again, to go back to Peter, he said, don't be surprised by the fiery trial." And in all that, as we are aware that persecution is something that is real for the Christian, we also need to recognise, again, that our response matters. In our community discipleship groups, we're spending time in, in First Peter. And again, we are seeing time and again that call to honour and gentleness and, and to bear up under suffering for the sake of the gospel. And as we do so we remember that we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus, again in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 44, said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Jesus, of course, practised what he preached. Do you remember as Jesus was there on the cross, being mocked, having been savagely beaten and now hung up to die, prayed, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus died on the cross out of love for his enemies. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were once an enemy. And it was out of sheer love and grace that Jesus came to reconcile you, to make enemies into friends. So Jesus loved us 
when we were persecuting him, when we were resisting him and his will. And it's so important to remember that Jesus has done that uh, to give us strength and to recognise too that he promises to be with us, to give his Holy Spirit to help us so that we can love others, that we can pray for others, that we can honour those uh, who mean uh, ill against us. Uh, now, the last thing to say, the radically challenging thing to say, is that Jesus calls us blessed when we are persecuted. And he calls us uh, to, in verse 12, rejoice in persecution. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, how countercultural is this? This isn't, this isn't Jesus saying, run from persecution, but embrace it, rejoice when you are persecuted. Now, how in the world can we do that? Jesus gives us two reasons in verse 12. The first reason is the reward of the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes have got, as it were, a kingdom of heaven sandwich. Verse 3, first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the, the other Beatitudes, in a sense, are the, are the filling. This is uh, what we receive uh, now and we look forward to in the future uh, as those who are part of the kingdom of heaven. As we rejoice in suffering out of loyalty to Jesus, He's saying to us that you will be comforted and you will inherit the earth. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be shown mercy. You will see God. You will be called sons of God. The reward of the kingdom of heaven is, is how we can rejoice in persecution. And that requires a very different perspective. To recognise that here we may lose. But in heaven there is gain. Ultimately, the reward is God himself. And so we want our trajectory, our perspective to be that we want to live for him and to see him as our great reward. So we can rejoice in persecution because of the reward of the kingdom of heaven. But then we can also rejoice because when we are persecuted as followers of Christ, it's a sign of our genuine faith. That's why Jesus says, look, it was the story for the prophets in the Old Testament. Anybody who wants to follow after God's ways, follow after Jesus, will face this. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, suffering disgrace for Jesus. At the end of the day, in God's eyes, the persecuted church is on the right side of history mocked, attacked, despised, even killed. But those who are loyal in battle receive that medal of honour, which is the crown of life. John Stott, in his book on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, says that the ways of the God of Scripture seem topsy-turvy to people. And that's nowhere, I think, more clear than here. To go back to Bonhoeffer, 
who we began with. He says this, discipleship means allegiance to the suffering Christ. And it is therefore not surprising that Christians should be called upon to suffer. In fact, it is a joy and a token of his grace. In closing, let me encourage you as I want to encourage myself. Examine your allegiance and your loyalty. Is it to Christ or is it to comfort? Are you ready to stand up for Jesus? To embrace persecution as reality for the sake of living as the people of God? And as we reflect on that, remember the Saviour who went into battle for us, the one who suffered and was persecuted and was killed for us, the one who stands with us. So we're not asked to do this in our own strength. These are ideals for the people of God to follow those who are filled with the Spirit, those who have the presence of Jesus the Saviour, those who have our Father in heaven who watches over us. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.